Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, film geeks. So the world of film criticism is, is going for a world right now. What's going on with Rotten Tomatoes? Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Okay, so I was... Scrolling Twitter as I normally do, and I saw that Rotten Tomatoes was trending, and I'm like, okay, for why? So I click the thing and see that there's controversy afoot, which I find to be incredibly interesting, and we'll get into why I find it incredibly interesting. But there is an article that was released by Vulture, and this is the headline. This is this is the headline of the article from Vulture. It says, the decomposition of Rotten Tomatoes, the most overrated metric in movies, is erratic, reductive, and easily hacked, and yet has Hollywood in its grip. Hmm. Now that is, what is being said here in this headline is not new. This is not something new. It's not innovative. It's not, oh my God, an aha moment, an epiphany. You know, it's not a huge expose of a headline. This is something that people have been thinking. They've thought they've said out loud. Rotten Tomatoes, you either love it or you hate it. And I think if you are in the industry, you have a love-hate relationship with it. And that's kind of what this headline is speaking to. But it's not something that we've ever really openly talked about. However, there are some controversial things afoot in this article. Now, this has nothing to do with this really, but I, I just find the irony to be a little bit delicious. So I did an episode on this and it's titled Movie Talk Something Something Something. I think it's like Movie Talk the new critics on the block. I think that's what it's called. I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but it did. I just now realized that it rhymes. But an article was done by the New York Times by a dude named Reggie. Unfortunately, I still can't pronounce his last name. I apologize if he ever listens to this. Can't pronounce the dude's last name. But Reggie from the New York Times, who was a film critic for the New York Times, did a semi-hit hit piece on movie talk. Now, movie talk is kind of the niche little movie content creation community on TikTok. So these are people who do film reviews. They, you know, talk about their top five favorite films, actors, um, you know, film industry commentary, you know, or they promote movies, you know, pay promotions for films, stuff like that. 
that's movie talk. And you have a lot of people who are coming up on movie talk who are doing film reviews. It's not that hard to do a film review. I mean, there's some, there's an art form to it. At least I think so. I think you have to be knowledgeable in some aspects in order to do a proper film review in the same way you review any kind of art form. But anyone can get on Twitter and buy a movie or Twitter, TikTok. Anyone can get on TikTok after having bought a movie ticket and then going to the theater. They can get on TikTok and talk about the movie they just saw and how much they liked it or didn't like it. That's how I got started with the movie Candyman. I bought a ticket, went to the movies, sat in my car and gave my thoughts. And that's, you know, the way the cookie crumbles. Anyone can do that. And there's a little bit of animosity from some film critics with respect to movie talk and these social media content creators who are doing film criticism because there seems to be a shift among audience members and readers who once were reading film reviews are now no longer really reading film reviews. They're going to this new audio slash video forum of film reviews. They're coming to TikTok. They're coming to YouTube and whatnot for their... um movie content, you know, instead of going to the, you know, critic in their local newspaper who will tell them how many stars a movie is, they're coming to me. (laughs) They're going to Kit. They're going to um, Straw Hat Goofy. They're going to these people to find out whether or not the movie that they want to see is worth seeing or not. Why? There are certain things you can do in TikTok that you can't do in print media. You can't really build a relationship the way we can do it on TikTok. You, there's a parasocial relationship there, a, a sense of getting to know and building a bond and understanding one's character, one's personality. And so by getting to know someone on a personal level, so to speak, you can kind of get an idea as to whether or not you'll like a movie based on their own personality. So a lot of what I have to say and whether or not people go to see movies has less to do with what I actually say and more so to do with my character and how people have gotten to know me through my content creation journey. People have kind of figured out, oh, if she likes it, I'll probably like it. If she doesn't like it, I trust her. That's kind of how that rolls. You can't always do that with print media or even online journalism or an online article on the New York Times because you can't see anybody's face. You can't hear anybody's voice. There's just something different about doing it the way that we do it on social media. But there's been this big shift from, you know, that traditional print media to social media because a lot of trust has been lost between your average critic and your average moviegoer. And Rotten Tomatoes is part of that problem because it's no longer about the individual critic. As a critic, you're no longer an individual. You're part of a percentage. So Rotten Tomatoes in and of itself does not write reviews. It's an aggregator. So they pull reviews from all over the interwebs from, you know, a select bunch of reviewers. No, you have to actually register and be approved as an, a reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes to consider you and to use you as part of their system. But they pull all of these reviews and they look at these reviews and they either give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That review is either rotten or it's fresh. That's how that works. And then to come with the, the percentage, they take the number of fresh reviews and you know count it against how many overall reviews. You get an average, you get a percentage That's how that works. And if it's above 60%, it's fresh. If it's below 60%, it's rotten. That's, you know, about how that works. And it makes things very quick, very easy, very simple, especially for a moviegoer who really wants to know, am I going to be entertained? So they look at that percentage and, hey, it's fresh. I'm probably going to like it. That's what that means, right? 
So a lot of moviegoers base their movie buying decisions on that percentage. Now, there's been some contention lately because you have the audience score, which is, you know, people who have actually seen the movie giving their honest opinion versus your critics. And there's sometimes a difference between critics who absolutely love the movie and audiences who, audiences who don't or, you know, critics who thought the movie was absolute crack, but crap, but audiences loving it. And I don't think this means so much that critics don't know what they're talking about. I think that just points out that film critics and your average moviegoer, they're not watching movies the same way. Many of us are educated to some degree. Now, whether that means you've been watching movies for however long and you actually study film that way, or you have a degree, doesn't matter. Studying film is not hard. Anybody can study film. Would not recommend it though, because it, it will ruin you for movie going and movie watching for all of eternity, but it, it's not hard. But those of us who are a student of film, we study film, we, we do more than just sit and watch it to be entertained. We're not looking at movies the same way. And that's where a lot of that criticism comes from, because we're not just talking about whether or not the movie is entertaining. We're supposed to be talking about the strengths and weaknesses of that film. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be writing in such a way that it forces the artist, the auteur, the director, the writer, the composer, the actor to do better. We're supposed to be giving an honest, objective critique of the artwork itself. So a lot of times you're not going to be able to tell from a critic's review whether or not you'll be entertained. I can't tell you that. I do not aim to tell you whether or not you will be entertained from by a movie. But what I do aim to do, so to speak, is to, I want to encourage people to go to the movie theater because I love the movie theater experience. I would love to save the movie theater. I want us to always have movie theaters. I don't want to be or live in a future where every new movie that's ever made is on a streaming platform. Movies were made for the big screen. I don't want to see a movie that was made for greatness, for largeness on my small 50 inch television. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage people to go to the movie theater. So that's goal number one. And number two, I want to help people think objectively or maybe even look at film in a different way. And three, I just want to give an honest critique. I want to be as objective as possible. I want to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the film, what I think the film did well, where I felt like they lacked. And that's it. I I want to be as objective as possible. I want to take as much of me out of it as possible. And that can be very difficult because this is passionate. I'm passionate about this. It means something to me. But here is the issue with this article is that it seems like this industry, this film critique, this film critic, this film criticism industry is lacking passion and lacking integrity. That's what this article is about, is that websites like Rotten Tomatoes, love them or hate them, they have Hollywood in a grip. and You have a lot of studios that are dependent on a fresh score. So there are two things that this article points out. Number one is Bunker 15, which is a PR firm that has apparently been paying um Critics like $50 for a positive review to help move the meter. There have also been some indications or allegations, so to speak. And it's kind of hard to figure out what or where because it doesn't list movies. I think it lists maybe one or two where this is an issue, but it doesn't list all the movies in which this something like this has been affected where there have been some negative reviews on this on said movie, but they're kind of hidden. So they don't really count towards a score. They, they're disregarded. They don't make it onto the website in order to affect 
that score because again, a lot of studios are dependent on it. They want a fresh score, especially if you have a small independent film. You showcase it at a um a sun a film festival like Sundance. So you have a lot of critics who come in to watch movies for at these film festivals, post their reviews. They want a positive tomato meter. Why? Because that positive tomato meter could be what gets them a distribution deal. That score is the difference between sitting on a shelf and being shown in a theater. So that's something else this thing gets into when talking about, you know, immediate reactions. Not just that, you know, critics are being paid, but also critics are being used to manipulate the system. So you have a lot of studios when they screen movies, they'll handpick critics. They'll handpick critics whom they believe are friendly to them and will be friendly towards their movie because what they want is an initial positive score. They know good and well that once all the other critics get their hands on it and watch it, that that score is going to dip. But they need it to be a positive score, at least for that opening weekend. The article mentions Ant-Man, how Ant-Man had a very high positive tomato meter score opening weekend, but significantly dipped after the weekend was over and then as a consequence, or possibly as a consequence, they had a really steep second week drop in the box office. Then it also mentions, you know, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, the latest Indiana Jones film, which premiered at a festival, I think either late, when is Cannes? Cons. I should know how to say that by now. I've never actually heard it said out loud, the word. So that's why I struggled to pronounce it. But... You know, Indiana Jones premiered at that festival and critics got early access to and were able to post their reviews online. Now, I think Disney may have bitten the bullet a bit. I think they were a little too confident. I think they felt like this was a solid, good movie. Critics didn't think so. So for a solid month, this movie had crappy reviews and flops at the box office. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Like, dang, man. So there's this sense of who are the who who are we supposed to trust? Who is the average moviegoer supposed to trust? The audacity for this Reggie dude from the New York Times to talk crap about us, and yet he and his peers seem to be selling their integrity. Now I don't know if Reggie is a part of it or not, but we don't know who. We don't know who. We don't know who these critics are. We don't know what movies they're talking about. We just know that it's the critics they feature on Rotten Tomatoes who are at risk and who are somewhat less than trustworthy. And I think that's part of the problem. Honestly, I would love names and I would love movies. I'm not interested in shaming anybody or ruining their career. I just want to know who to read and who not to read. That's all. That's all. So what are you as the moviegoer supposed to do? Now that you know that many critics are being paid to write positive reviews, that many studios are handpicking critics to watch their movies early so they can get an early positive tomato meter to manipulate you into buying a ticket so they can have a great opening weekend, what are you as a moviegoer supposed to do? Who are you supposed to trust? But yet they want to talk crap about us. At least on movie talk, we tell you beforehand if something is a paid promotion you know good and well that the movie we're promoting, I've actually never done this, I just say we, but the movie that we're promoting, we were hired by the studio to help promote it. At least we tell you that much. We tell you if it's product placement, it, it's required by the app to do so. A film critic is not required by their boss or whoever. They don't have to tell you within the review that they've been paid to review it and they've been paid to give you a positive review. At least we are obligated by both but I say both, all social media platforms to mention that in some way, shape or form, we are getting paid. We are required to mention that. At least there's integrity there. There's trust there. Where is it for print media? And yet they have the audacity to look down on us. I mean, if you can't trust those critics, we're all that's left. Those of us who are on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, it's us. You know, the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, the independent, the amateur, the sitting in the basement eating Cheetos, kids, it's just us. So, but it takes a bit to find us. You know, it's, we're not a very in your face kind of niche. So in the meantime, as you're trying to figure out, well, who do you go to, to listen to your, um, your, your reviews or read reviews, what have you, I of course would say you should listen to me, but in the meantime, get to know me a bit and then decide whether or not you trust me. I can't decide that for you. That's a you thing. You have to make that decision whether or not to trust you. And I'm not going to manipulate you one way or the other. But in the meantime, if you're still one to look at Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm not going to judge you one way or the other, because again, I I have a love-hate relationship with Rotten Tomatoes. But if you are that person and you still rely on Rotten Tomatoes, let me give you a couple of pointers. Number one, wait a week. Now, I understand that some of you who like to go to the movies, you want to see the movie that opening weekend. But as I've mentioned before, that 
opening that first tomato score is oftentimes not accurate because some of those critics can be handpicked by the studio to screen it early. So wait a week, wait a week or wait until opening day. Opening day, you're probably going to get more reviews from critics and that'll give you a more accurate reading, but you're definitely going to get something a little more accurate at the very least a week out. That makes sense. So yeah, wait a week. That's advice number one. My second piece of advice, read the the critiques, read the articles, read the criticism. Again, Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregator. They take critics and criticism and articles from all over the net. They give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down. There's no nuance. There's no in between. They're not talking about the details. They're just saying, oh, this is a positive review and this is a negative review. Even though the review might be saying it's kind of mid, who knows one way or the other what Rotten Tomatoes feels about it. So in order to really get a good sense of whether or not a movie's good, you have to read the review. But for some movies, that's a lot of reviews. So I don't highly recommend you reading all of them, but find one critic. And it might take you reading a couple or a few before you find the one that you feel best jives with your personality, someone you can kind of get to know through their work and gives you a good idea as to whether or not you'll be entertained by a movie, whether or not you'll like it, whether or not the movie's good or not. A voice that you can trust, so to speak. Give it some time. Read a couple of articles, but find a critic. Find one you can trust and stick to that person. Find two you can trust, three you can trust, whatever you need to do. But just going by that Rotten tomato score, it can be a bit misleading. Also, look at audience scores. Because again, you're not looking at movies the same way as a film critic. So you're obviously not judging the movie the same way. What is it that you're looking for in a movie? Are you looking to be entertained? Are you looking for something that's going to be appropriate for your children? Some people are very upset over the different agendas that are being pushed in film. There are different websites and there are different critics that address those things. It's important, I think, for those of us who do film criticism to not only be objective, but to also know our audience. So we're here to give you an honest, true, and valid and objective critique of the artwork itself. But we also know you have questions. You want to know, am I going to be entertained? Is this appropriate for my children? Is this sending any messages that might not be appropriate in general? Now, most of my audience is Christian conservative. So I don't let that factor into the way I objectively review a film, but I will answer questions that I know come up from those audience members. Does that make sense? I'm going to tell you objectively what, where this film's strengths and weaknesses are, but I know as the moviegoer there are things that you care about that I don't care about. So I'm going to answer your questions. I think it's important for us to know our audiences. And some critics cater to different audience, certain audiences. That's just how it is. Find that person. So wait a week. Give it some time. That tomato meter that showed up on a Wednesday is probably not going to look like that on Friday. So at the very least, wait until Friday to buy your ticket or wait a week. Find that one critic that you can trust and stick to them. Or just come to YouTube, search film review. There's a lot of us here. We're all nerds and we're all geeks. And we love the art form. We love the industry, sort of. But we love the process and we love talking about it. That always works. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to me rant and rave once again about yet another something, I guess. I don't know. I was about to say movie, but we weren't talking about a movie. We were talking about Rotten Tomatoes. I guess it's the film industry commentary portion of the podcast. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, The bottom line, the lesson to be learned here is integrity should not be for sale. Period. There's nothing more to say to that. Integrity should not be for sale. As film critics, we have a responsibility to be objective and honest, to not filter our critique through the lens of our own opinions, experiences, and biases. It can be very difficult, but it takes a level of self-control. We all have different life experiences. We all come from different places. places. We all have different ideologies, beliefs, religions, what have you. We're critiquing a artwork, which means this director, this artist came with their own intention and we have to examine that intention honestly and objectively. It doesn't mean we have to agree with that intention. It doesn't even mean we have to understand it, but we're here to critique it and we're here to explain it to an audience that may not understand it in the way that we do. Not because we're better, but because we're nerds and that's what we do. <laughs> So yeah, integrity should not be for sale. And I hope this is a lesson to all of those people who want to dog on social media film critics. We like, hey, don't come for us no more. Clean up your own house. Don't come for us. You know, we are doing this thing because you first inspired us. At the end of the day, that's why a lot of us are here is that we were reading film critics reviews we were watching movies we were learning how to critique film we, we we somehow found our way into this industry but many of us were inspired by you and if you're not remaining stand up the way we know you to be that's on you integrity should not be for sale Many of us would not be here if it weren't for the film critics that came before us, that inspired us, that forced us or pushed us or encouraged us or taught us to look at film differently. Don't get mad at us because we are keeping our integrity. Clean your own house before you talk about us. That's all I got to say. That has nothing to do with anything, but I just want to put that out there. But anyways, I still have to talk to y'all about the strike and hopefully help y'all make sense of it, but everything's changing. So... The goal here, I'm crossing my fingers, is to get an episode out next week talking about the strike. I'm waiting to see what happens with the whole video game aspect. I don't know if you've heard, but SAG-AFTRA is taking a vote to see whether or not to strike against video game producers because that involves actors. So voice acting, um, AI, animation, so on and so forth. Even some like, um, what do you call that thing? Michael Jackson always comes to mind. James Cameron, motion capture, motion capture technology. Some of that is also in video games. So, so stunt work, um, Foley work, stuff like that. All of that is involved in video games. It's, it's a lot more complicated than just cool animation. Fascinating. If you've ever like taken the time to like really look into what builds a video game, fascinating stuff. It makes my brain hurt. But uh, apparently I like to torture myself in that way. So right after this, you should be getting a review for The Nun 2. I'm actually seeing that tonight. Can't wait to tell you all about it. I love spooky season. I love scary movies. I expect to be slightly disturbed. I expect nothing less from The Conjuring Universe. They haven't let me down yet. Um, Some movies have been better than others, but they have yet to let me down. So crossing our fingers, this um, continues in that tradition. 
So I love y'all. You're amazing. Let me know your thoughts. If you have a favorite YouTube creator who does film reviews, tag them. Let us know who they are. I'm thinking what I'm going to do is add a playlist on my YouTube um, my YouTube channel so that y'all can go out and find other reviewers and critics and whatnot here on YouTube. It's other people for you to listen and learn from. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on that and I'll have that to y'all by Monday. So be on the lookout. I love you. You're amazing. Have an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. Y'all were almost a spooky season. Killers of the Flower Moon is like a month away. Oh my God, I can't wait. I'm so excited. See y'all next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.